Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Saturday, April the 16th, 2022. It is currently 3.57 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, we're going to be talking about something I think is of great significance. I think this is this is one of those situations where I, I think this that I'm on to something very important, very significant, something that I, I just feel should spark a lot of conversation and discussion. But sometimes when I think, oh, this is amazing, this is awesome, this is great, other people are like, well, not, not so much. And then I will, will record something else that I'm kind of, all right, well, that's something to record. I don't give it much thought. And then I'll get all kinds of emails about that going, whoa, that was really great. That was awesome. I never thought about that. I'm like, but wait a minute. What about the broadcast where I talked about that really, really, really awesome thing? And well, nobody, nobody seemed to think it was as awesome as I did. But I think that this is a very important concept. And I, I can't wait to get everyone's opinion. I hope you will participate in the conversation about it. Of course, those on the Discord channel, please, please feel free to put forth your thought and perspective. But let's start with this. I want you to think about I want you to think about the word happiness, the word comfort, contentment. I want you to think about those concepts. Happiness, comfort, contentment. I want you to think about how, how much the concept of happiness, we can add some other words, satisfaction, comfort, contentment, how, how much that motivates Everything you do, how, how real, I mean, I want you to really think about when it comes to your life and what really motivates you and the things you do, how much is it directed towards pursuing some sense of happiness, some sense of comfort, some sense of contentment, some sense of purpose, some sense of joy, some sense of satisfaction, some sense of pleasure. What really motivates you in life? When you when you see what you're 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 pursuing and what you're doing, are you constantly pursuing that which brings you some sense of contentment, peace, joy, satisfaction, pleasure, comfort? I I I would I I will argue that that's what really 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 motivates us in our life, and it's what really drives us. And I think that fact is very critical into understanding not only sin, but the temptation to sin, right? And I really want you to think about that. Now, here's what we're going to do. Uh, let, let me explain how this all started. We have been working on a book written over 500 years ago by Thomas Akempis called The Imitation of Christ. There's an entire series. You can go listen to it on the Church One app. I'm, I'm trying to get all of the episodes uh, there, I think I've got a, mo a lot of them. There's probably some still missing, but I'm going to finally get them all placed right there in the Church One app. It'll be easy for you to find. And we're currently in ch uh, Book Two, Chapter Nine of The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. Now, I'm not going to go read anything from the book right now, but in that chapter, Thomas Akempis draws this very interesting distinction between divine comfort and human comfort. 
And Thomas Akempis put forth an idea that what we should care about is divine comfort. We should not seek human comfort. We should only seek divine comfort. And once we have that divine comfort, that we should almost look, we should not even care about human comfort. Divine comfort versus human comfort. So I kind of raised a question and that discussion in this, about this chapter about How dangerous could it be for us to think about and desire human comfort? How dangerous could the idea of human comfort be to us spiritually? Like, we don't think about the danger of human comfort. You don't see a lot of preaching about that. But is it possible that desire for human comfort, that need for human comfort, could actually be detrimental to your spiritual life? And some of the people who listened said they never thought of that and said that it was a good discussion. Well, I... I, after we were done, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And I remembered, I think it was in the, um, and when I was in the United States Air Force for the Airman Leadership, uh, Airman Leadership School, ALS, uh, and, and the military, if you're enlisted, that's one of the schools you have to go to before you can put on another rank. You have to go to Airman Leadership School. You have to complete the school, graduate, and you have to do all of that. Okay. And in one of those courses in Airman Leadership School, We talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Now, if you don't know Maslow, it's it's his full name is Abraham Maslow, M-A-S-L-O-W. Abraham Maslow, and he created this hierarchy of needs. Um, It's also known as a pyramid of happiness. And it made up his 1943 paper, A Theory of Human Motivation, and it was published in the Psychological Review. So we go all the way back to 1943, and he formulated what's known as Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. It's also known as a Pyramid of Happiness. That's how I remember it, a Pyramid of Happiness. And while we were learning about this in Airman Leadership Schools, we were learning about what really motivates people. Like when you become a leader of of a true of troops, when you become a leader of airmen, when you become a leader of people in the military, you need to know what not all this hierarchy of needs, but you really need to know that what what is the theory of human motivation? What motivates people? Because if you can tap into what motivates people, it will make you a great leader. Now it's obviously its approach was very much from a a psychological, a humanistic point of view, but the more I started thinking about it in relation to what Thomas Akempis had to say, then I started thinking of it in relationship to the Bible, then I started thinking of it in relationship to your Christian life and my Christian life and I'm like, "Whoa, I think we're onto something very important here." So we're going to spend a little time understanding Maslow's hierarchy of needs if you probably if you if you I, you probably even learned about it maybe in high school. I, you definitely probably learned about it in college. And if you didn't, if you if you didn't go to college and you didn't learn about it in high school, you probably came across it somewhere else. But we're going to talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs or pyramid of happiness. I'm going to probably refer to it as the pyramid of happiness because I think that really works well here. But here is how this article um, begins here in regards to Maslow's hierarchy of needs or the pyramid of happiness. How do we become happy? 
How do we become happy? Uh, now I'm going to stop the article right here and I'm going to go back to my original questions. How do you become happy? What satisfies you? What brings you peace, joy, and comfort and contentment in your life? Because that's the thing that really, that really motivates us to pursue whatever we pursue. We want some sense of happiness, of joy, of satisfaction, of pleasure, of contentment. That's what really motivates, that, that drives us to do the things we do. I think this is very important to understand when it comes to your Christian life. But, but they just simply in the article ask, how do you become happy? It's a question that has been asked since the dawn of time and answered by philosophers, gurus, and more recently, psychologists. One of them was Abraham Maslow. He formulated Maslow's hierarchy of needs, also known as the pyramid of happiness. It made up his 1943 paper, A Theory of Human Motivation, and was published in Psychological Review. So what exactly is Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how can we learn from this pyramid, uh, from this pyramid example, if we, and let me read this again, and how can we learn from this pyramid example if we want to be happy? Now, what I want to do is look at his pyramid and say, okay, this, this is what supposedly makes us happy. So we pursue things in order to get this sense of happiness or contentment. What if Maslow's hierarchy of needs really shows us what we are motivated by? And what if sin was simply the attempt for us to reach, to strive for happiness by pursuing things to make us happy that are something other than God? What if sin is really like, okay, here, here's this pyramid of happiness. Sin is simply go, go, go be motivated by these things, pursue these things, but do so without God. In other words, you don't need God for this. God is something different. I think in many cases, what we have a tendency to do is God is only there for the morality God is only there to tell us what is right and to tell us what is wrong. And sin is simply doing the immoral thing. What if sin at its really core level is not just about doing the wrong thing. It's pursuing happiness, joy, peace, and comfort without God. Would that be a a radical approach? Let's, I'm going to try to flesh this out and we're going to, we're going to see where where we're going to go with here. All right. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a motivational theory and psychology consisting of a five-tier model of human needs, often shown as hierarchical levels within a pyramid. Maslow's pyramid is divided into five levels of needs from the bottom of the hierarchy upwards, all right? So you start at the bottom, that's your basic needs. And then you move up the pyramid all the way to, to the higher level, which is kind of self-fulfillment or self-actualization. So we're going to start at the bottom of this pyramid, work our way all the way to the top. Look at what he has to say about each one of these. And then we're going to kind of go to the Bible and look at this pyramid from a completely, not a psychological perspective, not a humanistic perspective, but from a theological perspective, hence the title of this podcast, 
Theology Central. All right, so thinking caps on. Here we go, all right? The, the way he has these broken down, really starting from the bottom all the way to the top, is this. Number one, psychological needs. Psychological needs. In other words, we're going to have, we're going to reach happiness. We're going to find a sense of, of contentment and joy. We have to have our psychological needs met. Number two, safety. We have to have safety. Number three, love and belonging. Number four, esteem. Number five, self-actualization. That for them, that we all are driven to have this sense of peace, joy, and happiness. So what we do is we look to make sure our psychological needs are met. Then our safety needs are met. Then our belonging and love needs are met. Then our esteem needs, and then our self-actualization. Now, from a humanistic standpoint, you pursue these needs that you're motivated by these needs. In other words, if I can say, if you do this, you'll get this need met, well, that will motivate you. And if I, if I say, if, you, if you'll do these things, you'll get this, you'll be motivated to continue to pursue that thing. You'll be, you'll be willing to do that thing in order to get these needs met because that's what you're motivated by. I will say this pyramid if it, if it represents a reality that, that inside all of us, we want these things and we're motivated in our lives to, to do whatever is necessary to get these things. The problem is we tend to look at this pyramid and these needs almost completely apart from God or theology. Right? In other words, we're, I'm driven, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do this because this is, I want to feel this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And we're pursuing in a sense of a happiness, of a contentment, of a joy separate from God. We still may believe in God. We still may go to church, we may worship him, we may read our Bible, but God is just kind of there. He's almost separate from the pyramid. That is that is a, a major problem for your spiritual growth, right? So let's go through these, all right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the five levels. The first level is the psychological need. These are biological and physical requirements like breathing, food, water, and sleep. When these needs are not fulfilled, they become the only thing we are preoccupied with. This is interesting, all right? So we start right here. These are our, those basic psychological needs, and we are very much driven by these. We need our food. We need our sleep. We need our, our food. We need our water. We need our warmth. We need these basic needs met. And if we don't get them, we become preoccupied with them. We become absolutely obsessed with them, and we are motivated to do whatever is necessary to get those needs met met, right? You probably say, well, what does that have to do with Christianity? Just, I think it's very interesting how Christianity and how the Bible comes into play right here, but I'm not going to mention them right now, All right? Let's go to the next one. Safety needs. These are things such as physical safety and a needs for home, employment, income, and health. Without fulfillment of these needs, a person continually feels insecure and unprotected. So you need Physical safety, you have, you have to have your needs met, uh, home, employment, income, and health, all right? And this would fall along within the category of a basic need. 
So again, these basic needs, what happens if we don't have these basic needs? We become preoccupied with it. We don't feel secure. And we will just focus on pursuit, 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 pursuit. In many of these cases, God doesn't even come into the picture here. God may be over here giving us morality, but he doesn't come into play at this point for many people. All right, number three, love and belonging. These deal with our desires for deep interpersonal connections, good family relations, friendship, sexual intimacy. Without them, we might become depressed or experience loneliness. Now, once again, we have, we're motivated to pursue these things. We will do whatever it's necessary to get these things. Keep, keep this in mind. All right. Number four, esteem needs. These are needs like self-esteem, confidence, and achievement, and being respected by others. Now we need things that will make us feel good about ourselves, that will give us confidence, make us a, a feel a sense of achievement, that, that we feel like we are being respected by other people. Number five, self-actualization needs. These deals with creativity, spontaneity, and problem-solving. They are met if we can become everything we are capable of becoming. Self-actualizing people have have a grounded sense of well-being and satisfaction and a sense of awe, wonder, and gratitude about life. People who who make it through all of those other steps on the pyramid reach this high level level of self-actualization. And they're the ones who have found a, a sense of this life is wonderful, there's gratitude, there's joy, there's a sense of contentment. They've reached that highest level in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Now, there's more we could read here about these, but we're not. The more I think about that, it seems in some ways the Bible is somewhat so contrary to that. From a biblical perspective, is it the pursuit of those things that gives us peace, joy, and contentment? Or is peace, joy, and contentment found from a biblical perspective and almost denying ourselves these things, not needing these things because we have God. I'm just going to start going through scriptures and you'll tell me what you think here, right? I'm going to give you scriptures and I want you to apply them. And I want you to think of these scriptures in light of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the pyramid of happiness. I'm just, I'm just got a, I got a bunch written down here and we're just going to go through them. And I want you to just see how does it relate to that, right? You'll see what I mean here. I think we know where to start, right? Does everybody know where to start? I think we all know where to start. Go to Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent, we believe the serpent's obviously being used by Satan. So in a sense, Satan was was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made, or the serpent was more subtle than any uh, of the beasts of the, of, of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, I think what he does here, personally, I think this is distraction, 
right? Because immediately he gets her focused on trees, right? In other words, hey, did God say you really can't have all of these trees? Because the focus is for her to go, no, 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 no. Not, we can have these trees. And, and so, so at this point, she's not thinking about God. She's not thinking about God's word. She's not thinking about morality. She's not thinking about anything. She starts thinking about, oh, no, because the question is that, uh, did God say you can't have these trees? No, 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 no. He said, I can't have that tree. So in a sense, he distracts her from God to get her to focus on that which she cannot have. See, by saying, hath God said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He already know. it seems like he, in a sense, he already knows the answer. No, God didn't tell them they couldn't have all the trees of the garden. He told them they couldn't have one. By asking, did God say you can't have all of these? Immediately, her focus will, will say, no, 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 no. God said I can, I can have those, but I can't have that one. And the minute that happens, her focus is not on what she can have. It's on what she does not have. And then all of she can be preoccupied is what she doesn't have. She forgets everything she has. She's for, now she's focused on what she cannot have. And now look what happens. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. A mission accomplished. She's not worried now about the rest of the trees. She's worried about that one. That's what she's looking at now. I can't have that one. And I just think it's interesting. It's connected to eating, right? Remember in um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Food is at the is the very basic, the very basic. And she's already forgotten what she can have. She's just looking at what she can not have. Right? I look here. Um, and, and and the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. All right. Now you shall not surely die. There, he's he's almost now promising her safety and security. That really deals with it. Hey, don't worry about dying. You're not gonna die. You're not gonna die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods knowing good and evil. So he he then, look, so it starts with the idea of food. Okay, that's what you can't. See that tree right there? You need that tree. That that You can't have that tree. You can't have this food. That starts with the basic need, the psychological need. He, he then, he, take, he takes care of the safety need. You're not going to die. And then he goes really all the way to the esteem and self-actualization. And basically what he says is like, God is keeping you, keeping you from being like him. He's holding you back. You could really, you could understand good and evil. You could be like God. You could be like God. And he says, then your eyes shall be open and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Look, God is keeping you from these esteem needs. He's keeping you from this level of self-actualization. So it's almost in a roundabout way. This is using Maslow's hierarchy of needs or Maslow's hierarchy of needs captures, in a sense, the first temptation. The psychological needs, safety needs. And then really esteem and self-actualization. A good portion of the pyramid is being discussed here. And then look what happens. The woman saw that the tree was good for food. There's the psychological need. And that it was pleasant to the eyes, right? More psychological need, right? Um, 
A tree to be desired to make one wise, esteem needs. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. He gives, she gives it to her husband. There's the belonging and love needs. She doesn't want to partake of it alone. In a sense, the whole pyramid is represented right here. Satan comes along and says, look, don't look to God for your psychological needs, for your safety needs, for your belonging needs, for your esteem needs, or for your self-actualization. Look to something other than God. Look to something. Here's God. Don't look to God to fulfill these needs. Look to something else. Look for a counterfeit. Look for the counterfeit. He provides a counterfeit instead of, no, we don't need this. We've got God. He provides food. We don't, I don't need to worry about dying because God is the giver of life. I will trust him. I have God. I don't need to worry about whether my husband will or will not. I have God. I, I'm created in God's image. I don't need anything else because I'm created in his image and I have a relationship with God. That's, that's the esteem I should look for. And my relationship with God is the, this self-fulfillment. My fulfillment comes in God, not in what I do, have, or don't do. Satan tempts an ascent using, in a roundabout way, these needs, which seem to be universal against us. Sin is the taking these needs, these psychological needs that's inside all of us, and sin says, here, fulfill those needs apart from God. So your desire for self-comfort, your desire for happiness, your desire for pleasure, your desire for contentment, your desire for joy, your desire for purpose, literally are spiritual pitfalls that trip you up because sin comes along and says, pursue these things, just don't look to God. And I'm not saying it even says pursue it in an immoral way. You're just pursuing it apart from God. So there's Genesis 3. Now, this same kind of situation shows up, you know where. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Now, this is interesting. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. So, he has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He now has a psychological need in his flesh for food. Right? Maybe for for rest, he has a psychological need. When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Immediately, Satan goes after the psychological need. You're hungry. Get the food. Make if you're the Son of God, make make food, make bread. Fulfill the psychological need. The pursue the pyramid of happiness, not worried about the will of your father, not worried about God would, God the father would want, just do it because you need it. Pursue the fulfillment of the need. Don't worry about God and his concern or how God would want you to fulfill the need. In other words, think of it this way. Fulfill the need. Don't worry about glorifying your father. Don't worry about obeying the father. You fulfill the need. 
There's the psychological need right there. But then look what happens. This is very interesting. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, that's interesting. Instead of pursuing physical food, God's word is what man should live upon. It's like, here's the psychological need. I need physical food. Jesus says, no, you need God's word. And isn't it interesting that in the Bible, there is a spiritual discipline that was practiced in the Old Testament. It is mentioned even in the New Testament, where you as a believer deny yourself of that psychological need for food so that you can put God's word first. It's called fasting. Isn't that interesting? Here's this basic need. This psychological need, this physiological need, or physiological need, I think I keep calling it a psychological need. It's a physiological need is the correct way to put this. I keep referring to it as a psychological need because I was thinking of it from a mental perspective. But the, the very bottom of it is actually a physiological need, but you get the idea. It's a basic need. You need food. We, nobody can deny you need it. But we pursue it almost apart from God. Right? We put our physiological need, we put that, that physical desire, and we pursue it almost with no thought of God, because it's basic. The first, the temptation to Eve was about food, to eat something. Satan comes to Jesus, and after he is hungry, tries to get him to pursue the satisfaction of that physiological need, of that basic need. To, to make bread. And I just think it's interesting that Christianity says, no, there are times you should set aside that physiological need. Deny yourself of that physiological need and focus on God's word. So you fast so that you can feed on God's word spiritually. That, that, that completely turns the pyramid upside down. That your first concern should be God's word. Now, we rare, rarely deny ourselves these phys- physiological needs. We de- rarely deny ourselves food, water, warmth, or rest. We pursue those. The, theologically, it seems like, no, sometimes the way we discipline ourselves is by denying ourselves these physiological needs so that we focus on God. I think that's interesting. So then, but look what happens next. Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, if thou be thy son, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands, they shall bear thee up lest at any time thy dash thy foot against a stone. Now this seeming, this deals, you could look at this a lot of ways. So the food is a physiological need. Again, I apologize for referring to it as a psychological need earlier, but I, w- I was thinking about how uh, mentally we need, we, we're, that if we don't get these physiological needs, they, they mess us up mentally. But okay, you, you get the, I, hopefully you get the idea of why I was doing it that way, but it was a mistake. I should have called it a physiological need, but this is interesting. This, what does this one deal with? Hey, throw yourself off the temple and the angels will catch you up. Is this dealing with safety? Is this dealing with esteem? 
Hey, throw yourself off the temple. The angels will catch you up. You know, in other words, prove, prove yourself. Do you have this safety? Will will the Father protect you? The way, like what? What is he going after? One of these needs in in Maslow's uh, happiness pyramid, right? And he says, "Don't tempt the Lord thy God." In other words, uh, we 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 may be t- we may want to tempt God to provide our safety needs. We may want to tempt God to 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 do something to give us a to meet our esteem needs. But we don't run around tempting God. We trust God without tempting him. Again, the devil taketh up him into a high, uh, exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto them, this is uh, Matthew 4, 9, these things will I give to thee if thou will fall down and worship, worship me. So now here he's like, okay, this clearly goes with basically almost the esteem and self-actualization. You can have everything. If you'll simply worship me, you can have everything. And what we have a tendency to do is when we're pursuing these esteem to make us ourselves feel good, to give ourselves a sense of, of prestige, a feeling of accomplishment, which this is a psychological need. It is a psychological need here. This esteem is a psychological need. We want to feel good. We want to feel a sense of purpose. We want to feel a sense of accomplishment. We want to reach this level of self-actualization. Well, yes, if we pursue that apart from God, then in a sense, we begin to worship the the desire for this esteem need. And a roundabout way, this is following the same pattern. It's going after these basic human needs. Jesus and his humanity had this, he's tempted in all points like we are. Those needs are that physiological need, which I think is still connected to a psychological need. We, we could, we could try to, I could try to justify that, but okay. Food, water, he goes after that. Hey, safety, throw yourself off and see if God will catch you up. Can you really trust your father for safety? He goes after the safety thing. Esteem, hey, I'll give you all of the kingdoms of the world. Just worship me. That's going after the esteem. The, the, the pyramid is still showing up right here. Now, what's interesting is right after this testing, really going after these concepts, Jesus soon after begins to preach what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Now, look at how this turns this all upside down. Matthew chapter 5. Blessed or happy are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. Uh, some, some try to attach this to physical poverty, but the thing is you, you will receive spiritual happiness, right? Spiritual joy, when you realize the poverty in and of yourself. In other words, you're, 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 you don't find blessing in the pursuit of Maslow's pyramid. You find happiness in realizing your own poverty. That seems very different than Maslow's pyramid. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Being in a place where you see your own poverty and in a place where you mourn it's, it's, a, it's a promise of comfort, but it's a divine comfort. 
Uh, Blessed are they that are meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom of earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Not blessed are those who hunger and thirst for food, water, warmth, and rest. Not, Not blessed are those who hunger and thirst for security and safety. Not blessed are those who hunger and thirst for intimate relationships and friends. Not blessed are those who pursue prestige and feelings of accomplishment. No, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they who which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and you shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward. The idea here is that this seems to be completely opposite. Happiness and joy, satisfaction and contentment comes in a way completely different than Maslow's Pyramid. Maslow's pyramid is, I don't, I don't want to, not blessed when people hate me, blessed when I have great relationships, not I'm blessed when I'm facing persecution because that would take away my psychological need for safety. No, blessed when you are in fear. It's completely opposite. Then if you go from the Beatitudes, you just start walking through the Sermon on the Mount and it's completely completely different than to anything anything you can find all right let me uh, i'll just show you here if i could just go through this um uh, there's just so much here okay um the idea that if you look at a woman with lust you've committed adultery in your heart and that if you're right i offend thee pluck it out and cast it from thee uh, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that any whole body, your whole body should be cast into hell. If your right hand offend thee, cut it off. In other words, that what we should pursue isn't the fulfillment of a need, but the honoring of God's law. There is a physical need for intimacy. That is a, that is a psychological need. It's a physiological need, right? It's both. But we cannot pursue that against what God would. In other words, God would rather have you do without. And you should still find this sense of blessedness and happiness, even when the need is not met. But we'll seek out human comfort. If you go through the rest of this, the rest of, of the Sermon on the Mount, you're supposed to love even your enemy. You're supposed to bless those who would. You're supposed to turn the other cheek. You're supposed to bless those who would persecute you and use you. That goes completely against Maslow's pyramid, right? Because you're you're literally loving, forgiving, and turning the other cheek to those taking away your safety needs. You're literally going, you're loving and blessing those who may take away your esteem needs. You you you're you're uh, you are to love and bless and do good to the person who may be taking away your feeling for love and intimate friendship and fellowship. They're attacking it, but you're still supposed to love them. Everything in the Sermon on the Mount really turns the entire pyramid upside down. There's more. 
Go to Matthew chapter, I could go all the way through the Sermon on the Mount, but I think you can read it in light of that pyramid, and I think you'll be somewhat shocked. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Matthew 10, 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Well, that's completely opposite to the pyramid. The pyramid's like, no, you need belonging and, and love. You need intimate relationship. You need friends. You need family. You need this. And so we pursue it almost apart from God. But what Jesus says is, no, 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 no. You better love me above all of that. Because if you don't, well, you're not pursuing, in a sense, God's pyramid of happiness, God's pyramid of purpose, God's pyramid of joy, which is completely opposite to Maslow's. Maslow's, you're pursuing, this is what motivates you. Now that motivation for it is right, but you're, what you should look to to fulfill it is not your friends, not your family, not your children. It should be God. God is the thing that should fulfill all of these needs. Uh, the text goes on to say, and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. This goes, comp- this, this really turns it upside down. You are not living your life to fulfill your physiological needs, your safety needs, your belonging and love needs, or your, or your esteem needs, or your self-actualization needs. You're not living life for those needs. You're living your life to pursue God and his glory. These needs become the trap spiritually because these are real needs that you really have. So you, but Satan wants you to pursue them. Sin is the pursuit of these needs apart from God or in place of God. You're supposed to be taking up a cross. You're supposed to be dying to self. We could go on. We could go to uh, Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father, mother, wife, children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The Christian life is a pursuit of, of, of God first and dying to self. You're not pursuing intimate friendships and relationships uh, because you're, you're, the need, that need should be met in God. It doesn't mean you can't have these relationships. It just means that your sense of purpose and happiness is not found in those relationships. It's found in God, and God is the ultimate source. You're supposed to be dying to self. You're supposed to be taking up a cross. Matthew chapter 16, the same concept is repeated. Matthew 16, I mean, we could go to so many scriptures here. I had to pick and choose. Matthew chapter 16 Jesus said this unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's what the the Christian life is. Denying self, dying to self, and stop following self. Self has these physiological needs, these safety needs, these belonging needs, these esteem needs, this this wanting to get to self-actualization. All of that is your physiological, psychological needs that motivate you. 
we, we, that motivation gets us to pursue these things apart from God. When Jesus says, no, listen, stop, 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 stop. Yes, you have those needs. Die to yourself. Deny self. Stop following yourself. In other words, these are not our motivation. God is our motivation. Galatians 1.10. Galatians 1.10. I mean, I, I could go literally hours looking up scriptures that throws this whole thing out of whack. Galatians 1.10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Seeking to be a man pleaser, you shouldn't even be a servant of Christ. Well, there's your whole belonging and love needs. When you have a belonging and love needs, you don't want to offend anyone. You don't want to lose friends. You don't want to lose family because you desire that. That's motivates you. That's a natural motivation. I want to make it very clear. The psychological slash physiological needs for food, water, warmth, and rest. That is a real human need. Completely understand that. But the pursuit of that can literally become a spiritual trap because you're pursuing that not without thinking about God. And God comes along and says, okay, that those very basic needs, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take time to deny yourself those physiological needs. I want you to go without food so that you can learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. What are we to desire? We're to desire the word of God as a newborn desires milk. We're to desire God's word more than money, more than food. We don't do that because the physiological need is uh, becomes more of a God to us than God. Safety needs. We pursue safety, 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 more than we pursue God. Belonging and love needs. We we want family. We want a spouse. We want uh, sexual intimacy. We want all of these things. And these are natural desires, but we want them, all, in many cases, more than we want God. Esteem needs. We want to feel good about ourselves. That's an okay, it, um, nothing that we do so apart from God. We want that more than we want God. In fact, think about it this way. The Maslow's hierarchy his pyramid of happiness really becomes the God we pursue. It really becomes the, the pyramid that we bow before and that we worship and that we serve. Everything in our life is pursuing this pyramid. Now, some people will come to God thinking that God will give them everything on the pyramid. Hey, if I come to God, he's going to meet all of my physiological needs. If I come to God, he's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of my safety. He's going to give my belonging and love needs, and he's going to take care of my esteem. So I'll reach self-actualization. God becomes a means to the end, and the pyramid becomes that end. But God is not the means to the end. God is the end. I'm going to stop right there. I want you to, you, you look it up, Maslow's Hierarchy, Pyramid of Happiness. You'll find, find it. If you cannot find it, just email me, newsif at yahoo.com. I will post this in the Discord channel. I want you to look at it, and I want you to just see how the Bible is different than this pyramid. 
The Bible does not deny that we have these physiological needs, these safety needs, these belonging needs, these esteem needs to reach this quote-unquote self-actualization. The Bible seems to say the physiological needs, sometimes we have to deny ourselves these so that we make sure God is first. Safety needs, I, I focus on God, not my safety. My belonging is to be found in God, not in people. My esteem I'm just to deny self. I'm to die to self. Why, why am I worrying about my own esteem? My esteem is found in my identity in Christ. My self-actualization is really God's glory. I think it's different. So I think by realizing this, we see what motivates us. And then that very motivation, like that motivation for comfort, we pursue, we, we will accept a human comfort over Divine comfort, because comfort becomes our goal more than God becomes our goal. I, I think there's something to this. I really, 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 really do. And I think we need to pursue it more. Now, just for clarification, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of, of things, um, I refer to the lowest level as psychological. It's physiological. But I think the physiological is attached to psychological because if you don't get the physiological needs met, then you psychologically, you start having issues. So, but physiological, then safety, then love and belonging, esteem and self-actualization. So the bottom is physiological, which is food, water, warmth, and rest. I can connect it to psychological. Safety needs, security and safety. Belonging and, uh, and love Needs, intimate relationship and friends, that's usually classified as a psychological need, which I do understand that. Esteem needs, prestige, feeling of accomplishment, that's a psychological need. Again, I, I believe all of those are psychological. I think food, water, warmth, rest, security, safety, intimate relationship, friends, prestige, feeling of accomplishments, I believe all of that's psychological. But I understand they put the bottom one as physiological. And then self-actualization is achieving one's full potential, including creative uh, activities. Self-fulfillment. Self-actualization to call it self. I've been, I'm self-fulfilled. I feel fulfilled. I feel great. I feel wonderful. And, and from an and Airman Leadership School, that's where you want your people to get. If you get them to that self-fulfillment part, right? If they're there, then they're great They'll follow you and they're great employees and they're great troops and they're great for the mission because they're self-fulfilled. But if any of these others are missing, then it's going to be hard to get the most out of them because these other needs are not being met. Okay, so then you can get into a whole discussion about that. But again, it's well, we, the mission really becomes the, the ultimate goal there. But for us, I think the Bible just throws these out. Almost goes against them. Why? You know, I'm just going to stop right there. You can email me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right. I think we're on to something. We still need to flesh it out. Still need to work on it. Everyone's going to have some differing opinions. That's fine. But I just think if you place that there, start looking at scripture, you, well, you can see what happens. You look at uh, Maslow's 
hierarchical needs. You, you, you look at his pyramid of happiness, and then you look at scripture, and you just tell me what you see. There we go. All right. I'll stop right there. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great afternoon, a great evening. God bless.